When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Patricia Young, who is the host of a podcast called Unapologetically Sensitive, and she also does coaching around highly sensitive person issues. She was on my podcast before, and I had a lot of positive feedback about what she had to say about being a sensitive person. And one of the things we talked a lot about is just that being sensitive is often considered not a celebrated trait in our culture. You know, it's, why are you being so sensitive? Relax. Um, And she talks about the gifts of being sensitive and also the challenges. And she does coaching around this work, and she's done a lot of work on her own and has found that oftentimes this type of person is given negative diagnoses like depression, anxiety, when oftentimes it's who you are and it's a matter of managing that and figuring out how to celebrate the strengths and manage the difficulties. Um, So today we talk about managing COVID-19 and coping with it, what she's noticing within herself and her own family and with her community. And I just want to give a shout out to Other World Computing, who is sponsoring this series on coping with COVID-19. Other World Computing has everything for your Mac accessories, upgrades, anything you need. And it's a very user-friendly process that even if you're not a computer expert, you can figure out what you need. So thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And uh, we had you as a guest before, and I got so many nice responses about our conversation and just people feeling like your unapologetically sensitive platform, I guess, or, or, or perspective was something that they had never heard before. And it really resonated in how they see themselves and maybe like, oh, that's me for the first time, which is really neat. Um, so I thought it would be great to bring you back on to talk about the things we're seeing with COVID-19 and just some of the different experiences people are going through that are really just unprecedented. 
Sure. Happy to share because we're going through a lot. And the whole reason why I have my podcast, you know, as somebody who's a deep thinker and a deep feeler, we perceive things that other people don't. And I really want people to have this sense of like, oh, I'm not alone. And there are other people that are having these insights and are being impacted. I think we tend to look around and it looks like everybody else is managing and why are we having such a hard time? It is a challenge and it comes with so many gifts. And I think when we have language to help us understand why we're being impacted, it just, like we can just relax into that. Yeah. And I, I, I think I remember telling you when I was talking to you, I was thinking when we spoke the first time, I was thinking, oh, I know some people like this. And the more I talked to you, I was like, oh, I think I'm a little bit like this. Maybe <laughs> there's a spectrum of, you know, sometimes it just gets to be too much. And that's one thing I'm not actually noticing in the house right now with everyone being home. I'm picking up everybody's emotions and it can be really exhausting. And like this time of day, it's kind of midday. I'm great. By the end of the day, I just, I keep telling the kids, I'm like, I'm done talking. No more talking for mom. Mom's done talking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that our tolerance for things is, you, you know, our bandwidth is just more limited right now. And it's interesting that I'm always so afraid of judgment. I'm like, if you judge, go ahead and judge. You know, I have grown kids. And so we've had to make decisions about, you know, do we allow their girlfriends to come into our house or do we allow my son who doesn't live at home to come home and we do social distancing? This last weekend, my son's girlfriend was down and how he talks, I mean, he's 19 years old, but how he talks to her was just grating on me. I had to go in the other room for the rest of the evening because I knew what I was going to say was not going to be kind. And I just she's been here before and I've been okay with it, but you know, our tolerance for things right now is just really limited. So to find ways to have compassion, to create grace so that we don't say things that we're going to regret afterwards. It's pretty average. Yes. I think that's so right on. And I think it's, it's very easy when we're in these sort of isolation silos to sort of start to feel like I'm actually a horrible person and I just never realized it. And it's not the case. It's just that this is unprecedented. And almost our minds, our bodies, our emotions don't know how to process it. It's so new. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that people may be experiencing is brain fog, having a really hard time focusing, concentrating. And we have this, what I'm hearing from clients for myself, especially for the first couple of weeks, I've got all this time. I should be productive. I should be being creative. I should be catching up on stuff. For many of us, like we just sit we sit for hours and don't do anything and our productivity really goes down or feeling more irritable or bored or the self-judgment and the criticism. And then what you're talking about, and I'm experiencing more of it this week and I've noticed last week and this week, like we're having that craving for unconditional love. If you've lost a parent or parents, you know, people are talking about wanting those relationships back. It's that sense of like love and comforting and nurturing that this is going on for a long time. And like, we just want someone to tell us like, it'll be okay. This is really hard right now. We're doing the best we can. We're working on getting some solutions and figuring out how we're going to move back to whatever the new normal is. It's going to be okay. I think many of us are just longing to have that sense of comfort from the outside. It really presents an opportunity for us to figure out how can we create that sense of nurturing from within or have the people around us help us with that sense of mirroring. But you know, I noticed for myself and, and I was, I was just crying with my husband this morning because my other son and his girlfriend are going to stay with us for a couple of days and we haven't allowed them to stay since COVID started. I'm really hypervigilant about 
hand washing and, you know, what we do when we bring things into the house. They're young. They don't have those concerns. Not only am I feeling hypervigilant, but I'm feeling upset that I'm hypervigilant. I feel like I'm wound so tightly and I wish I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, we honestly, like, I don't drink and we were honestly talking about like, maybe I should have a drink and that'll take the edge off. But because of how my system is wired, if it creates depression freedom for me tomorrow, is that really worth it? You know, I'm sharing these things with you because I think we're all navigating new things that we haven't had to navigate before. And the illusion is we're at home, we've got plenty of food, we've got internet. Why are we suffering? Why are we struggling? Because we're experiencing grief and loss and change in our structure and how we live our lives. It's not that we can't adjust, but to really validate that anything that you're feeling or experiencing is valid and real right now. And I think what you're doing, even in just what you just said, is providing that unconditional love to people who are listening. Like, okay, this is someone who understands and, and, and just sort of creating that opportunity for the unconditional love by hearing like, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. This is hard. It's hard to navigate these choices we've never had to make. You know, like, do I let someone into my house? I was talking to a friend who was having her grandchildren over for the first time. She helps, she helps raise them. And um, she was like, do I hug them? I mean, they're going to be in my house, but am I allowed to hug them? And it's just these things that we've never had to think about. Like, do I hug my grandchildren? And, and it's real and it provides stress. And I think for people who are thinking about it cautiously and want to be doing the right thing, it, it can wear on you trying to do the right thing all the time. Absolutely. You know, even things like if you wear a mask to a grocery store, if you're wearing gloves or if you're sanitizing, you know, where do you put your car keys? Where do you put your credit card? We tend to be very detail oriented. We think about these things and it creates a tremendous amount of stress. And I think what happens is we go from that sense of fear and vulnerability and that gets uncomfortable. And then we whip into judgment and irritability. And just knowing that that's part of what happens, everybody gets to choose what they're going to do and how they're going to handle it. And so for us to have as much compassion for what we're doing and for what other people are doing, and it's really hard. Like I walk my dog a couple times a day and that's generally a very peaceful time for me. I call them my irritability walks now mm-hmm. because, you know, is somebody that's approaching me, are they going to move out of my way? My dog is blind. I was walking her one day and she was kind of behind a little bit of a tree and there was no place for me to move because she was going to the bathroom and I had to ask somebody, can you please go around me? You know, and so this sense of hypervigilance can really, again, it can be just really stressful. And when we think about like, I'm going to go out and walk the dog is a really nice way to unwind. It can create a lot of tension and hypervigilance. So again, just creating room for that being okay. Whatever reactions we're having are okay. That if we need to ask people to move, if I'm in a place where I can get out of the way I do, sometimes I'm really okay with it. And sometimes like it really makes me crabby. It's just how it is right now. And I think as I'm listening to you talk, I can imagine someone who doesn't have this kind of sensitivity thinking, well, come on, you know, get it. and I think that that's where, that's the point I want to highlight is that you might not be wired that way, but this is to create compassion that everyone is processing all of this information in different ways. And if you have someone in your life who, or a friend who is processing it differently, to be, to be understanding of that, that this is all new for everyone. I, I remember when this all first was happening, I felt a lot more judgment and I'm not saying I'm judgment free at this point, but, um, 
I had to sort of go through like I'm processing in one way and other people are processing it in a different way. And the judgment still comes up, but it's, it's a little more, it's a little bit more compassionate. So I'm trying to work on that, but it's not easy. It's not easy to do, especially with not having clear direction all the time. Um, One of the things I'm realizing, so I'm in Texas and they're loosening up restrictions and so there's going to be a lot more individual decision making and there's not going to be a perfect science to it right like you might be wiping down groceries but also letting someone in your home who is a part of your family and so it could be very easy to question somebody on the decisions they're making and I'm kind of I'm working on I don't want people to be making judgments on what I'm doing so I'm trying not to do that with others but it's not easy and it's it's such an imperfect I mean science isn't even the word we're it's so much uncharted territory right now which is why I think it's important for us to really make sure that we're getting the support that we need so we can identify what am I thinking what am I feeling what do I need to feel safe how can I create as much of that around me as I can and, and know that it's okay that that's what I'm wanting and needing to kind of develop a little bit more stress tolerance that if people around us don't have those same values, how do we navigate it? And to be able to name it, you know, I, again, I, I keep going back to this thing with my kids because it's been such a big thing that when my son and his girlfriend came home a couple of weeks ago, the plan was to not have them come in the house. And then my son's girlfriend needed to use the bathroom. So we had to navigate that. But, you know, to say like, this is uncomfortable. This is awkward. No parent should ever have to decide if her child can come home or if they should hug. We just, we're doing the best that we can and we're going to do it imperfectly. And we're all kind of on a short rope right now. And, you know, our patience, our irritability is running really high it's just a hard time. And I think to be able to know that and, and if we can even talk about it and name it, I think that helps. It doesn't make it go away, but that's the only way to get through it is if we can name what's going on. Yes, I think that's true. And one of the things I felt, I mean, sounds like you have that experience with your husband today, checking in with somebody who does understand who you are, even if they're not the same, but just kind of can be a place to process. And um, I found that with a couple of people. And I think sometimes it's about keeping that circle smallish, like you don't need to talk to every person you know about, but just the people that can reflect it back, even if they're not experiencing the same way. Yeah. His response is, I care about this, but not as much as you do, which I can't, you know, in the state that I'm in just brought more tears because for someone who is sensitive and we're literally a minority of the population, many of us, me, have that narrative of, you know, I don't fit in. I'm not the same as everybody else. How come I'm always concerned about things that others don't? And that can be exacerbated during this time. What, what has gotten me through is I have a couple of people that are highly sensitive that I talk to some of them on a daily basis, some of them a few times a day. That's what's gotten me through to have people who really understand and get where I'm coming from. It eases that sense of hypervigilance that's going on because we're like the canary in the coal mine. And like you said, we don't know you know, we really don't have a lot of information about the spread and all of that stuff. And so we all have to decide for ourselves for today, this is what we're going to do. If we get new information, we want to change what we're doing. That's okay. But to really honor what we need and to find ways to navigate with the people around us in our lives. But it, 
everybody I know, myself included, is getting activated around attachment issues or wounding or loss or grief. It's like it's going to pull for all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was noticing is that, and I was talking to a friend about this, is this, I think that a lot of us who are caretakers of others, it, it, it reminds you of like, well, who's taking care of me? Am I the one who's taking care of me? I guess so. You know, and I, not that there's not other people that love me in my life, but not in the same way as like parent to child, you know, and that kind of nurturing. It's just in high demand, but not as available, especially with yeah. like separations from families and not being able to see people and um, loss. I think especially if you've got kids in the house and if the responsibility falls on, you know, you or your partner for grocery shopping and meal prep and then overseeing schooling and the kids. And if you're working, I mean, all of those are multi playing multi roles. It makes it really hard on parents. And I'm not, you know, we're figuring this out, but I think to ask parents to be their, their kids teachers really creates a bind. And then we get into, you know, screen time and all this stuff. And my thought is, if your kids are alive at the end of the day and they've eaten, you've done a great job. Mm-hmm. That I think that we have these standards that, again, it looks like everything's normal and we should be able to wear all these hats. And I think it just creates more stress and more strife. And what we really want to do is to show our kids, this is what we do when things get rough. And if that means that you have cereal and popcorn, you have cereal and popcorn. Mm-hmm. That it's really about finding a way to to keep the relationship as intact as possible, even if it's imperfect, but trying to hold perfect standards. I mean, if you're doing it and it's working, great. I'm grateful I don't have young kids in the home because I could barely hold it together when we didn't have COVID. And I can't imagine trying to juggle all that right now as a, as a parent. Yeah, it's sort of, I, I think we're learning new ways of measuring success and sort of looking at it in a different way. And really, I mean, I have always been someone who, well, how can I do it better? And and now I'm kind of like, how can I bring it down? Let's bring it down even more. How much lower can I bring it? You know, just because it, it seems to work better. You know, it's just the, the measurements that we had before just aren't, aren't working. I saw something going around. So at the beginning of all of this, there were um, charts going around for parents of like, here's an idea of some structure you can implement. And I was, I was like, oh, this looks great. And I saw something recently about somebody like, I don't see people bragging about their structure charts anymore. <laughs> like, nope, there's not that anymore. And you just sort of get into reality. Yeah. And I think there's so much pressure to, you know, we look at what other people are doing and we compare and you know, we should be making fun videos and we should be learning a new language and learning a new skill. And it's like, you know, we just want to get through this and self-care is really important. And obviously we want to, to do as much self-care coming from a place of love and generosity. It's like with your kids, you wouldn't yell at them and yank them to do stuff. Ideally, you know, we'd want to be loving and gentle and caring. And that's what we want to do with ourselves as well. This is just time for so much compassion and really being present to what's going on. The other stuff, you know, it's just stuff. And I wanted to point people to, you have a podcast, Unapologetically Sensitive, and you have an episode that came out, Our Need for Comfort and Support, and you cover all kinds of topics for um, dealing with this time. So I just wanted to make sure, and I noticed one of the things you were um, talking about in there was the comparative suffering, the idea that uh, Brene Brown was talking about, about we sort of get into, well, I don't have it as bad as this person, so I shouldn't be worried and it's interesting because I, I find that sometimes the comparison can help me insofar as, 
like it can bring me back to gratitude. But when it starts to be something that makes it, that invalidates my own experience, that's when it sort of can be a problem. And I love, I love that concept of just kind of remembering that we don't need to be in competition for who has it worse. Yeah. The last few bonus episodes have generally been about COVID, whether I mentioned COVID or not. And one of the things that I find myself doing that doesn't, it, it doesn't serve me is, well, I struggled with this stuff before COVID, you know, my productivity or, you know, having big feelings. And it's like, that is such a disservice because what we're going through right now is impacting everybody. It, we're being impacted differently and we're being impacted at different times. Everybody's processing through it in their own way. But I think the thing that's so slippery about this is we're in the comfort of our own homes and the appearances, everything is the same, except we may be working at home and then there's this virus that's out there, but it's really impacting us. And this is, it's, it's a form of trauma. We may not all be traumatized by it, but it is a form of trauma. And if we have prior traumas, it's going to activate those things. Or if we have, like I said, other attachment wounds or other grief that we haven't dealt with, it's going to activate that. And the longer this goes on, even if you're in a state or in a country where things are opening up again, it's going to activate how safe do I feel and are people in my space. And so to just be really gentle and kind with ourselves, with whatever's coming up for us. And I would add that the OCD type tendencies of like people who have already felt, you know, uncomfortable in spaces with other people or germs or things like that, that this is going to be a time. And it's hard because, because, you know, we're told to be cautious. And so if you already kind of have that cautious tendency, it's, it's hard to know what's too much and what's just enough. And I think we all, like you were saying, we have to be compassionate with ourselves that even if you are an outlier in your group, for example, or in your family, that that's okay. And you're going to process it differently than other people. Um, it's, it's, it's all very tricky. Um, one of the things that I have been thinking about also is just how, how we can come together as supporters for one another in that. What, do you have any suggestions for that? Like if there is someone in your group who, who feels more uncomfortable or things like that, or, or in your family, how do we better support people who maybe are outliers, even if it shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like just the, the person who maybe is doing something a little bit more extreme in either direction. I have, I know people who, who have, are maybe more rigid and then also people who are very loose in, in their um, response, I guess. And when I say loose, I don't know, that doesn't sound right, but it, the way they're processing it is not by being extra cautious. It's being, yeah. I mean, I think it depends on if those people are going to be in our personal space, then it's really important for us to get clear about what we need in order to feel safe. What's reasonable that we can expect if somebody is in our space. If it's someone that we don't really have physical contact with and they're talking about their process for how they clean things and we don't understand, just to be supportive. You know, and even this morning with my husband, like he started to say something and then he stopped and I'm like, what were you going to say? And He's like, I don't think it's very supportive. And he said, you know, I think everything will work out, but I, I really don't want to say that because we don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, so he's coming from a place of wanting to reassure me and not wanting to invalidate 
where I'm coming from. And so I think just even having an awareness, I, I think when we can't see that there's more than one perspective, and I think where we get into trouble is somebody sees that their truth is the truth and it's the right way. So if I don't feel like it's necessary to do A, B, and C, then I assume that that's the right way and everybody should have that. And I think that's where we run into problems. And so to recognize there is a continuum and some people are going to be very conservative. Some people are not going to be conservative at all. Most people are going to be somewhere in the middle, but I think when we can at least talk about and acknowledge what's going on and to have as much compassion. And if we don't understand, it's okay to say like, I don't see it that way. And I don't feel like I need to do that, but I hear that that's really important to you. I think that's how we can negotiate differences that we don't have to convert people, but to make room and honor where people are coming from. And even in your husband's response, like that's such a loving response insofar as like, he's, he's being transparent about his own process, right? Like he's like, I don't know if this is supportive, but this is how I'm seeing it. He's not going to lie to you, but I'm trying to be gentle, but I'm trying to, you know, say what I see also. And it, it can be really tricky. Um, that's one of the things I've noticed with my husband is that just our responses have been different. Like I started off like maniacally cleaning. Sadly, somehow I've lost that energy because it kind of really kept the house looking nice. (laughs) Um, But, and his was more responsive of like um, building out the, the bomb shelter with all the supplies and, you know, and that was not my way. And it's just, it's kind of giving people the space for whatever they need to do, even if they know it's not, necessary. It's just a way of kind of getting that energy out. And so it doesn't have to live in your body. Um, Exactly. And everybody has a different response and a different process. Some people get busy when there's stress and some people go into more of a collapse mode. And, and so some of us need to push a little bit more to do a little bit more. Some of us need to slow down. And throughout this process, we may be doing a combination of them, but exactly what you said is to honor that however we're processing, whatever we're doing to really honor that that's the best that people can do right now, whatever that looks like. One of the other things that's been helpful for me is that on those days, and I've heard this from a number of people that it sort of can ebb and flow. There are some days that they're like, you know, the sun is shining. I I can get some things done. You know, this, this isn't easy, but it's not horrible. And then like the snap, it just all shifts and it's, this is the worst. How did this even happen? Maybe I'm just going to feel like this funky way forever. And I've tried to remind myself on on those days, okay, tomorrow you'll probably be okay again, but it comes out of nowhere and it's really overpowering. It's very powerful. And what I've seen in a number of threads of people that have struggled with depression in the past have asked like anybody else having more instances of depression and I'm seeing moods shifting, you know, like rapid cycling of moods and I've experienced it too. And I've, I I hit a point this last weekend when I went into some despair and I'm not someone who goes into despair and I recognize my personal process is something hits me very heavy emotionally. And I kind of pull back because I feel like I'm the only one and it feels wrong and I just don't understand. And then I, kind of start coming out of it and I talk about it and then I realize what's going on and see some patterns in it. And and then usually the third part is, you know, I record a podcast episode because I figure I can't be the only one, but when it hits, it feels awful. I feel like I'm the only one. I often can't put words to what it is. I just kind of withdraw. And for me, I have comfort now in recognizing that that's what my pattern is. I mean, I, I think if this is hitting you and you're having a hard time coming out of it, if you're having a hard time functioning, not 
pre-COVID functioning, but you know, you're having thoughts that are intrusive and they're not going away, then I, I think there is a time when we want to reach out and, and talk to somebody and see if we need any extra help. But I also really want to normalize it. So much of what we're going through that normally if we didn't have COVID would look like mental health symptoms may just be very adaptive responses to something that many of us, most of us have never experienced before. And just that huge grief response. I mean, that's oh. that is is grieving the loss of the little moments, the bigger moments, like life as usual. And it's and I think also if you maybe haven't gone through that before, it it can be surprising how painful it is to 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 go through that process. Yeah, and for people that run on the sensitive side, not everybody. We're all different, but our our sense of structure provides comfort and routine and just the loss of that in itself can really be hard, a sense of predictability of what's going to come. And for many of us, like we just don't know what the future looks like. And for some of us, we're on week six, seven, eight of this. It's hard. It's hard to be in a place of uncertainty for such a long time and it wears on us. And again, if we can find a way to create some comfort, some nurturing, some support, ride the highs, ride the lows, just know that it's part of the process and have a tremendous amount of self-compassion. Well, and if it's any, I know it can be difficult to feel all these things, but you were definitely one of the first people I thought of to talk to because I knew you were going to be seeing things that other people and taking it in in a way that, that can help other people. So I know it's not an easy thing to always be in that position, but I think you're noticing and and processing things almost on people's behalf in some ways. Like I bet people are listening to this and thinking, oh, wow, yeah, that's it, you know, but, but couldn't verbalize. It's interesting. I was talking with a fellow HSP this week who made that comment and I tend to be pretty short-sighted about things. And I really think that I do have this gift of being able to look at the patterns that are going on. And I've noticed week by week, the trends are changing. What is coming up for people week by week is changing. And I just see these themes and I figure if I'm experiencing it and I'm seeing it, other people have to as well. And I, I just think it, there's such a sense for me of relief when I understand what's going on or why it's going on. I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. There's nothing wrong with me. And that's probably what my biggest mission in life is, is to let people know that whatever you're feeling and experiencing, somebody else is going through it. You are, you are so not alone and there is nothing wrong with you. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's, it's so important because it can be easy to be in a family where you're not, it, you feel like that outlier, like, well, everybody else is kind of just kind of trucking along here. Um, but there are people that are feeling that way. They might just not be in your home or right. in your, your friend circle. Um, which is, which is why I think it's so important to find at least one other person who's wired like you are to talk to, to get that normalization and validation or to find a group of people that have similar values because we are literally in the minority and many of us already have that narrative of, I don't fit in. I don't belong. I've always been the weirdo. I, I think too much. I'm too, whatever it is. And we're not, we're just right. And we have so many gifts to offer the world and we need to get that mirroring and we need to work on our own wounding so that when it comes up, we can own it and not feel like there's something wrong with us. Or like in the place that I'm in, like I'm highly reactive right now and I'm upset that I'm reactive and I, I can't change that. And so that's what I need to talk about when my kids come today. Mm -hmm. I wish it was different, but all I can do is name it. Right. 
in, in, I guess this is kind of a strange question on the heels of what you were just saying about this conversation coming up, but like, what have you found? And maybe this is part of it is having conversations like this. Like what, what have you found to be helpful to you in all of this? Like, what are the things that you're noticing kind of help keep you feeling stronger? This week, the word that I'm really focusing, this week, the word that I'm really focusing on is allowing. And so whatever comes up, just allowing it. And I, I really think that that's the biggest thing that when I've had these periods during COVID that have felt dark to me, having a safe place where I can talk about whatever's going on, the judgment, the criticism, the gremlins, I'll tell you my sense of, you know, like, who are you to be saying this? You've got nothing to offer. Like my gremlins have just been up and they're up in my personal relationships, but I'm blessed to have relationships where I can talk about it. You know, I said to somebody the other day that like, I feel like I'm not being very positive. Like when I talk to you, like I'm being really down and the feedback that I get consistently, because this is one of my ongoing gremlins is I love how real you are. I feel like you trust me and you're really real. And because I've probably been around people in the past that weren't aware of their feelings and pushed it down, what I was told was that I was too depressing to be around. But my guess is, and somebody did come back to me after some time and said, you know, what you were saying was really hard for me to hear because I was feeling it and I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And so people project their stuff on us. We've experienced that all of our lives. And like, I'm to the point now where I'm just going to be who I am. And when I have safe spaces that I can talk about, all of the junk that's coming up, it allows that energy to move through me. And for me to accept, like, I'm feeling judgmental. I'm feeling critical. My, my walks, I you know, I wish I could tell you that my walks were peaceful, but like I get really annoyed at people. I try not to. And sometimes like I just come home really annoyed to go like, oh, that was an annoying walk. Right. So al- allowing. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. If it, it's like, how come I'm always the one who has to walk around? Like you walk around. <laughs> yeah. So just creating room for whatever comes up and not judging it. I, I'm not going to be peaceful and all namaste. I would, I would love to say like I went through COVID in this blissfully beautiful way and like, I'm going through it as a human being does. I, I'm doing the best that I can. But when I can allow for whatever comes up and I've got people that are okay that aren't telling me to not feel that, feelings are just energy. And if we allow them, they move through us and create space for new things. But when we push it down because we feel like we're being negative or we're being whatever it is, it's like that stuff just builds up until we blow and we have a meltdown. And meltdowns aren't a bad thing. But when we allow that energy to move through us, I, I think it, just creates movement for something else to come in. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot too is um, just that this is creating really an opportunity for us to practice our boundaries of like what we have space for and what we don't have space for. And I find that, um, or especially at the beginning of this, and even still now, I was, I was better able to talk to lots of people and I had room, you know, but I, as I'm processing my own feelings around all that's happening, I don't necessarily have space for as many conversations because it kind of hijacks my brain into a whole new territory, especially with some people. And, um, and I, I, I don't have space. And so then I feel badly like, Oh, I'm not being helpful to them. I have to help myself first and get myself right? And some days I have more space for that than others. Um, But it really has been interesting. I I don't think of myself as someone who has trouble with boundary setting, but this is like a whole new terrain. And I wonder if you've had any of those experiences. Well, what I've seen on the positive side is because 
this can be a matter of life and death. Oftentimes the sensitive people, like we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And am I making a big deal out of this? Well, if we're talking about me potentially catching a virus or spreading it to somebody that I love, it's not so much about, is this right or wrong? We just need to do what we need to do. So what I see is people being much clearer about setting boundaries and not feeling as bad about it. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we can carry that forward. I also think this is a great time to really, I, I, I heard Laura Carr, who's an LMFT, talk about consumption. What are we consuming? And to be really mindful about what are we consuming as far as news and if we're on social media and things that are working for us or not working for us. And I'll tell you, I've unfriended and unfollowed a whole bunch of people because I just get too activated mm -hmm. and I just, it's not worth it. And like you're saying, in normal circumstances, there's a lot more room for me to have discourse and different points of view. Right now, I don't have that. And my hope is that maybe we can carry this forward where we're really, we trust what our gut is telling us instead of thinking that we have to keep more of an open mind. I, as someone who feels deeply and thinks deeply and has a lot of empathy, I think we have a great ability to see everybody's perspective and we often don't honor our own because we feel so much empathy for how other people may be impacted if we set a limit or we don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. I think this is such a great time for us to really focus on our perspective. You know, for, for someone who tends to think of other people for themselves, this is the people that I'm talking to. It's really okay for us to take care of ourselves and to really be selective about who and what we let in and what we're taking in so that we can get our needs met and really be filled up and not drained. I've noticed I have someone coming on who is, talks a lot about boundaries and I'm interested to see what she says about that. Cause I think it was, it was surprising to me. Cause I think even somebody was, uh, asking me, well, my mom was asking me if I had checked in on someone. And I said something and it was really snappy. I was like, why am I always the one who has to check in on people? You know, and it just is not my typical response. But I was just feeling like I'm just staying afloat here. And this was early on. And maybe now I wouldn't, wouldn't have had that response. I don't know. It probably depends on the day. Um, but it, I think it, it, and it sort of goes back to that compassion because I did kind of, I was like, oh, that was kind of ugly. But, but I think it's the compassion for myself. Like I have a lot of things I'm processing and it's also true. Someone can check on me or if they need me, they can reach out and I can decide. But um, yeah, it's sort of just been a different terrain in that, in that respect. So, Yeah, I think it's so important for us to really make sure that we're getting whatever fills us up, whether that's time in nature or time with pets or quiet time or music or finding videos that, are, that, that fill us up and nurture us. I, I'm finding I'm having to just delete a lot of political emails that I get. I'm not watching the news. I really can't go on Facebook because there, there's, there are too many emotionally charged political articles that like I, I want information, that part of me that really wants information. And then it pulls on that part of me that feels like that's unjust, that's unfair. Mm -hmm. You know, really having to make sure that I'm filling up with lots of stuff that's going to feed me and nurture me and not drain me. And that part of me that is very analytical and wants information and wants to have the full picture, like I just have to be much more mindful right now because it affects me negatively. Yeah. I've noticed even, even looking at old pictures of like when my kids were younger, it's too much right now. And part of me thought, oh, we have the time. Let's look through old albums. Too much, too many feelings. We got to put those away for now, you know, and, yeah. and a more stable time. And that surprised me too. It's just interesting how it is. It's just a different terrain. And I think being respectful of whatever, whatever that is, you know. 
So is there anything else that you were thinking or that, that you've been noticing that I haven't asked you about? Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that, and this is true for me too, that I have relationships that pre-COVID I counted on for communication and because many people are home with their families, they're running businesses from home, now they're having to do parenting, that some of those people are not available. And so mm-hmm. I've talked to many people that are having grief over the loss of those friendships as they were pre-COVID. It doesn't mean that the friendship is gone, that it won't resume. And it's interesting that for me, even though I have these other relationships that are incredibly satisfying, that are meeting my needs, I find myself feeling angry and frustrated and disappointed that like, I'm not getting this need met with this friend because this is what we did before. And like, I want to be sharing it with this person. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not sharing it with this person because it has nothing to do with this person. They're they're going through their own storm right now and I want to be present for them and allowing for all the feelings that are coming up because that's grief. That's, that's Mm -hmm. loss of something that provided comfort and support on a regular basis that I'm not getting from that person right now. And this is a way where we can go into that comparative suffering. Well, I'm getting it somewhere else. So how come I'm not upset? They're not doing this to me intentionally. So I don't have a right to have my feelings. Mm -hmm. It's a loss. It's a real loss. And people that we count on may be having their own stuff and they may not have time for us or they may be more irritable or they may be more worried. And so figuring out how can we get our needs met where people have the availability to meet our needs, allow for whatever feelings come up. We don't need to take it to that relationship if it's not, you know, if we don't need to. And to know that that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's the right on. And I, I've noticed the same thing, some shifts in, in relationships and not because of anything other than, well, not because of anything other than the entire world has flipped upside down, just that. Um, but just every day is so different. And so the cadence of like what you might've done before, like I would drop the kids off and then maybe check in with somebody and had time in the car by myself. And oftentimes now, because there's people around all the time, if I get a moment of quiet, I want that moment of quiet. I don't want to be on the phone talking to someone. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's, it's, I think, that you're right. It's compassion all around for ourselves, for what other people are going through and, um, and compassion if we're not feeling particularly compassionate, you know, like, yeah. And for all of those people that are home that have kids or people in their house and they're used to getting alone time, if you're someone who's sensitive, like we need that alone time to charge. And if we're not getting it because people are home all the time, that's going to, that's going to wear, that's going to be hard. And it's exactly what you're saying. The time in the car is often when people listen to podcasts and they check up with friends. We don't have that luxury anymore and that's wearing on us. And so if you're in that position and you're not able to show up for your friends to have compassion, I do think it makes a difference when we can name it. You know, I have a couple of friends that are in that position now. And when we talk, they're like, I know I don't need to say anything, but I just don't have the availability that I had before. When they can name it, it just makes me feel like, okay, you see it. I have room for that. And it feels really nice to be able to have that acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. You do. You have so many good insights. And I think even though I, I feel like you, you deliver it in a very calm way, even though I know it doesn't always feel calm to you, it feels calming the way you talk about it, which I think is helpful to me and I'm sure will be helpful to other people as well. Yeah, I, I, I really thank you. I'm so committed to just working through whatever comes up for me. And I feel like my pain and sorrow is really a gift for other people. And that didn't sound the way that I intended when I said it, but it's like, I really want to share the vulnerability and the struggles that I have and be transparent so that 
people just know that this is just normal. It's so normal. And I think the more we talk about the things that we struggle with, along with the things that bring us joy, the more connection we have. Because I think our tendency is when we struggle, we want to withdraw because we feel like there's something wrong with us. We're going to be rejected. People aren't going to understand. We create more isolation. And that's why I share what I do because we really can find people that have room for us when we're having real feelings and we can have that sense of connection. And that's really where the grace and beauty comes in of being able to show up no matter what's going on and to have somebody be able to hold space for us. And for us to know, like, I'm just having a really rotten day and things feel really hard right now. And I don't like this. And I'm going to show up and just be messy and imperfect. I think that's really where the gift comes from. Yeah, oh, I love that. And I think it gives your words, I think, can give people the confidence that if they do show up and don't feel received, take a break, regroup, and try again. Like it's not you, it's that maybe it wasn't a good fit, or maybe that's not the person you need to be connecting with at this time. What I imagine people thinking sometimes that, like, if they had the words, like what they would say to me is, like, Patricia, you think about things that I don't even am aware go on inside of me. Like you're so deep that it makes me really uncomfortable and I don't know what to say. And it just like, I, I, like, I just don't even know what to do when you talk. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I would imagine goes on for people that are not deep processors and deep feelers. And so they, I'll I'll share something and somebody looks at me and like, I feel like I've done something wrong. This isn't true for me now, but what I hear from clients is, and, and I'll tell them, you're just being you and they just may be wired differently and they don't get it, but they don't even have the language to tell you. Like, I don't even get what you're saying because I just don't even go there. I'm, I'm not that deep. I'm not that feeling. And so if we're not getting that mirroring or that sense of validation from people, maybe that's not our people. And maybe we need to find people who really are wired like us or to find a therapist or a coach to help you cultivate that sense of it's okay. This is how I show up in the world and it's really okay. And when people don't get it, it has nothing to do with me, but our tendency is to think that we've done something wrong. And I've seen this in myself this week, observed this process of like, what am I doing wrong? Oh, it's not me. So it's not like we work on it and it's a one undone. It's, it's an ongoing process, but to know like how we're wired is perfectly okay. We have gifts to offer the world and we need to find people that can be okay with that. And we, we need to do our healing. So we're okay with it too. My last question is just, do you have a touchstone practice that you're, that you're making sure you do during this time that sort of helps center you? There are a couple things, definitely staying connected with the people that I get support from. Like that's been my lifeline. I, and because I'm a verbal processor, like that's how I figure out what's going on taking time to get out in nature. Sometimes I need to slow down and do yoga or meditate. I'm not really doing, yoga is meditation for me and making sure right now that I'm getting my heart rate up. I wasn't doing that, but the stress was building up. And so if we're in collapse mode, we need to do things that are more nurturing, maybe curling up with a blanket, watching a movie. We need that inward nurturing. But if we're in a place where we're feeling more irritated or agitated, we need to expend energy, then we do want to be getting our heart rate up, not to lose weight, not to get into an ideal heart rage, but to burn off some of that stress so that we can have a little bit of calm. Just try and get as much comfort as we can. And and for self-care, whatever that basic thing is like, I just feel better if I shower and walk the dog in the morning. If I don't, I just don't feel good about myself. If you cannot shower and that doesn't bug you, then don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But to be really clear of if we need to push a little bit more, if we need to pull back. Thank you so much. 
I feel like I just got, I feel calmer than when I entered this conversation. So I appreciate <laughs> your services just to me personally. Mm, you're very welcome. It was a joy to be here. And I love talking about this stuff. Well, I love listening to you talk about it. So I appreciate it. And um, make sure you check out Patricia's podcast, Unapologetically Sensitive. And she has more information about all of the things that are going on right now and just what you're seeing. Because I think, like I said, you see a lot and I appreciate it. Sure. If people want more information, my website is the best place to find out about me. It's unapologeticallysensitive.com. Anything you'd want to know on all the things that I offer, I've got some videos there. So check it out if you're interested. Yes. I need to learn from you because you're just so well organized in all of your, I don't know, just, you're just very good at here's this and here's that. And I need to learn from that. But anyway, that's another topic. (laughs) Thank you, Patricia. Thanks, Megan. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. If you'd like to join the Family Brain community, you can find us on Facebook, The Family Brain Podcast, on Instagram, Family Brain Podcast. And I also have a website, familybrainpodcast.com, which has this episode and past episodes if you'd like to look around and see if something else catches your eye. Thanks so much for listening and hope you listen to the next episode. It'll be with Jillian Murphy, who I've had on before, and we'll be talking about family life with food and feeding and eating and body issues and food issues and all of that, especially as it relates to COVID-19 and being quarantined right now. So thanks so much for listening and I hope you tune into the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.